When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Great conversation with Mike Cummings, the offensive line coach at Central Michigan. And uh, the conversation went a little bit longer than our normal 25 to 30 minute episode. So we're splitting that one into two parts. And today you're going to get part one of our conversation with Mike Cummings. On today's podcast, we talk about the importance of basics in developing a position, how you develop your units and fit your pieces together. And we take a look at going into some of the specific techniques and basics that allow you to develop your offensive line. And joining me to talk about all those things is the offensive line coach at Central Michigan, Mike Cummings. Coach, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Keith. Great to be here. Love listening to this stuff with other guys and just talking ball. Coach, before we get into some of those those details we talked about today, um, Interested to learn about your start in coaching and, and going back to the beginning and looking at some of those things, number one, that really um, sparked that interest in you in becoming a coach, but then how you developed along the way. So for you, what was it that made you want to go into the coaching profession? I, the thing that made me want to go into coaching was a, I'm going to go way back, is actually a, a coach that I had uh, when I was in junior high school. And, uh, and the way he just was, uh, you know, he was, he was well-respected and had a great flavor for all the students in school. And I really just kind of looked at him and, and thought, that's the, that's the kind of man I want to be. And I really just, it's one of those things, you just kind of find somebody and um, he's what I wanted to be like. And I always had a lot of respect for him. And that kind of, that took me through. I mean, I'm in middle school, but it's, you know, it's in the back of your mind. Maybe that wasn't exactly what I was thinking at that time, but I always came back to, um, you know, Ted Pesquale was his name. And, and that's who I kind of thought back to. I wonder how he would handle situations as crazy as that may sound. That's, that's what made me think about getting into it. So coach, as you started to get into the coaching profession, you know, looking at, especially those early years, uh, of coaching, what lessons or takeaways did you get um, from some of your mentors, from the situations you've been in that really helped develop you and become part of, of the coach that you are today? 
Well, I, I'm I'm going to go way back, okay? Because I've got a unique situation. I actually have coached at at every level of football. Um, I, uh, you know, I I started out as a uh, Division three coach, and I was at RPI. So from there, I learned, you know, the the what you had to do with the players who had really really difficult academic challenges. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. and guys who did it for for the love of the game. And uh, then I was able to go back. I was a graduate assistant. Then I was in, uh, I got a division two job. So I, you know, I, there's a little bit of a, a step there and, um, you know, learned a little bit more about maybe the academics weren't as, as difficult, but you got a little bit better player, maybe. All right. Guys played for money and, and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Now I'm going to digress and go all the way back. When I initially got out of college, I went to coach. Right. I just had gotten out and I, there, I got a job teaching in a high school. So I went to the high school practice and I saw the coach and, you know, I said, coach, I'd like to get involved. I'd like to coach with you. He said, I'm sorry, we can't do that because I don't have any money. You know, I've, I've hired my whole staff. And honestly, I had no idea that coaches got paid. I thought you were a teacher and you just got, you just went out and you coached. And I told him that. And he told me right then, he goes, you're on my staff and you'll be getting paid next year. So I put that into now I transfer, I get a division three job and a division two job. So if you kind of back those up, clearly my motive was not to get rich into this thing. Mm -hmm. My, My motive to get into it was just to teach. I really think that coaches are teachers. So I worked through as a, as a teacher, as a coach, then I went to the division three school and you know, it's more coaching and they're, recruiting and so forth but still my roots from there from division three to division two um it still was all kind of rooted in that in that that really being a teacher a teacher of the game and um i was fortunate after i went i was actually at, at millersville university in pennsylvania and went left there and went to central michigan which was my first division one job so taking a, a leap from division two to division one was pretty big it is pretty big it was I don't know. Maybe it was different uh, back in those days. I don't want to say the old days, but it, you know, it was a big step, and I was able to move on there and then get, get a different level. And uh, you know, so the, what I learned from Herb Dramedy, um was really he was a teacher as well, and uh, very disciplined, and and felt that the details of your work and the discipline and the structure um, were really paramount to being a good football player. You know, and I thought he did a nice job building teams and think teams were important. So, yeah, I'm, I moved from there. I, you know, I moved on. I, I, I coached in the Big Ten. I was coaching the MAC. I went to Connecticut. Uh, you know, I was at Marshall in West Virginia, a lot of places. Um, I actually I coached at Virginia Military. So, um, kind of getting back to what I said initially, I mean, I've coached at the high school level, Division Three, Division II, um, FCS, um, and FBS. Mm-hmm. And what, what I've learned through all those coaches as I've gone through, and I, look, everybody knows this, you, you're going to learn what you want to do, what you should do, and there's also going to be some things that you would never do and don't want to do. <laughs> and the, the things that I learned there were that, you know, you have to, you can coach a player as hard as you want, as long as he knows that you care and have a general interest in him as an individual. And 
over the years, people say, well, the players have changed. And I don't know that the players have changed. I think probably their parents have changed more. All right. So that's on us. But I don't believe the players have changed. You know, I think the players uh, have more choices of what they want to do. So the ones that you get, you just need to dig deeper into them. But find those players, if you can, that you would see through the same lens with. Or if you don't pick your players or recruit your players, have a way of developing that and creating a single mindset where you're looking through the same lens and seeing the game that way and the program that way. Because I think when I say the players never changed, I think back and I, I think that all the players still had, you know, if you're in high school, you had the same ideas, right? What class was tough, what girl you wanted to go out with, that has not changed, right? The thing that may have changed is you have more opportunities in terms of social media and so forth and maybe gaming, et cetera. Right. So those things are all in there. I think that there's a, there's a human nature aspect to it that you've got to try and reach. Um, one, one great thing that I did learn was um, a coach called it pushing someone's buttons or finding their hot buttons. And so there has to be a place where you have a relationship with those players. And look, it's more difficult as a head coach, for sure. This is really is coming from a position coach as mm-hmm. a line coach finding that player and knowing that player enough that you can find the button on him that you can push to motivate him in times when he needs it. It's not, it's not the, the, the blackmail button where I, I saw you doing something and I'll hold that over your head. It's really finding something deep within him that he values that will help him bring his best to your program and to your unit. Coach, when you're, when you're looking at that, especially as a new player comes in your program, freshman or maybe somebody who transferred in, uh, what helps you flesh those things out? How do you begin to understand, like, all right, I, I see it. This is what really motivates this particular guy. Uh, and, and for you, how long does that take? <laughs> that, that's a great question. Both are great questions, part A and part B. How do you find that out? I think if, if you you have to talk to these players as you recruit them and find out as much as possible, find out who their influences are before you get them to your program. You know, that's, that's really what you're looking for, who influenced them, what they find important. There's a series of questions, which I'm not going to go into because I think everybody has them, right. but to just try and find out little pieces about them on who is influencing them, um, what they value, who helps them with decisions. Um, look, I will share one. You, can, you could ask a player, for example, um, if you were working out as a team in high school and the coach is out in the field and for some reason you come in to use the restroom and there's some players in there that are on the team, but they're slacking. Okay, what are you going to do? And, and so putting them in situations where you have to find out really what they value. And, you know, for example, the answer might be, well, I'll tell them to go back and work out or I, I leave them where they are. I don't care. You know, I, this is about, I have to get my work done. And I'm not saying there's a right or wrong answer. Right. It just helps you find out more about them and what they, what they value. So you could get a guy who says, I'm going to drag them back out in the field. I could get a guy who says, I'm going to tell a coach, you know, I'm going to lecture them, whatever. So I think there's a, there's a number of things that help you find that out before you get them. Now, once you get them there, 
you know, there's a, you know, how do you find that hot button? That's, that's the, that's the million dollar question. And I think you have to really just sit down and find out about that player. Talk to them. And I mean, don't talk football, find out about their family. And, you know, like for example, in my room, when we get in there in August, there'll be 18 guys sitting in there. Well, most of them I know already, right? You only sign so many guys a year, but those guys that come in, you, you really have to sit down with them and just have conversations and say things to them in passing, see who their friends are, see who they hang around with on the team. And you start to build a picture of exactly who that person is. And it's really interesting to find out, and especially on a college football team, who the players hang around with. And uh, you might catch them coming out of uh, dinner or whatever, or, or uh, you know, just talking maybe after practice as they leave the field. And you'll be surprised to find that you've got, you know, maybe some defensive backs that hang out with your right tackle. And it's very interesting. But then you find more about why are they hanging out with them? Well, they all, they all like quantum physics, okay? And I'm, I'm joking about that because I don't even know what quantum physics is, but I know that that's a pretty big deal, all right? But when you find out who their friends are, you build a bigger picture of them. And I think it really helps you, you know, going just a step further. Um, when you know those things and you're trying to push hot buttons, you sometimes you, you, you can find where maybe where, what they're afraid of. Or, and I'm talking not, not afraid of football. I'm talking about maybe there's a family situation. And you can better address that. And once you know there may be a family situation, um, you can kind of just maybe interject. You don't take it over, but you just kind of maybe have a little bit of empathy. And, you know, going back to your first question, this is big. I think that the, the, those coaches that I was around that were really successful, they did have empathy for the players. You know, they, it was the, the rules are the same, but you treat them all different. So how, how do you get that? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of going on and on about how to find that button. So I guess it's just a, you know, it's kind of a trial and error to find out exactly what it is. And that's a big piece of it. I think if you, if you coach a bunch of guys, you need to know where those buttons are. Cause you know, you could, some guys really enjoy the like, scream at them and grind them. And other guys, all you got to do is walk up and tell them, Hey, that's not good enough. And, and both of those will have the same effect so everything's not the same for everybody and you just you need to know that yeah and and the second part was just you know how long do you do you feel that takes and i know i know that that you know that's a various timeline too yeah i wish i mean i wish i could say hey look it's going to take three weeks and that would be really good you could check that box but i think you, you build a pretty good one as far as you can on the way in and then you know you listen you're talking you're going to get into your first year probably when you, you really start to know where you can push that button, you know, and maybe some guys, maybe it's earlier, right? Maybe and it all depends. I think another part is how much that, that player is willing to share. Um, I think that when players will share with you, for example, in recruiting, they'll share family situations openly. You're probably going to find um, that, that you're going to find what that player's buttons are, sooner than maybe someone who's more private and doesn't share you know because it's it's all about that person and some people are really open and some are not so it, it, yeah it's, it's a variable i don't know exactly i couldn't put a time on exactly how long it would take 
looking at taking all those individuals then and building them into the unit um, and you know having coached the offensive line before having coached multiple positions I think offensive line uh, more than any really uh, need to build those guys to working together you look at you know on a football field those five guys are together all the time, right? You're going to place receivers all over the place and running backs in different positions. You only have one quarterback, so if you have the quarterback room, it's really a different dynamic in how you develop that. So developing, you have your 18 guys. you got to find your five who are going to go out there first and then obviously some of the key pieces that come in to back them up. For you, what are the, the, the keys to building that unit so it's cohesive and you're able to do the things you do you guys are highly successful in offense at at central michigan uh, and a lot of that really comes from being able to start with those guys up front so for you what does that process look like well i i you know you have to build that unit first and that's with a level of expectation and coming in to a to a new situation there's you know the standards are what they are you may know you may not know but you have to make you have to establish what your expectations and standard of play are going to be and really really detail it out that when you so you're able to look at that and that's your compass for everything that you do so that's got to be the number one thing i think you do as a coach as you try and build the unit there has to be that level it's not you know there isn't a thousand things that you have to be it's got to be like maybe three things that you have to be and then you build from there. So you're going to say that you're going to be the toughest guys that are on the field. Um, you know, you're going to be the, the hardest working. And for example, the whole team is going to look like the offensive line, right? So as you put those in, now you're kind of indoctrinating, okay, this is what we do. And if that's the case, if that is our standard, right, then what are the steps? What will we do as a unit? And so, you know, we develop a, a, a list of what we do, everyday drills, for example. And these are the things we will do every day. Why? Because our compass tells us that will lead us to what we want to do and be the toughest guys on the field and be able to have the team look like us. So then there's a pride aspect in there. And I think that's a big, you, have to, you know, you have to appeal to their pride and, and their collectiveness. I don't know if that's really, you can say their collectiveness. I'm not sure, but that's what it is that, you know, they're them together. Mm -hmm. So you're building the, that unit of players together because they all have a common bond of, Hey, we can't let each other down because we'll then we'll let the team down. So that's, a, that's a big piece of, as you, as you first come into it. So the other part is I think every player has to be coached at the approximate level of every other player because as you're building a five that have to be on the field, you've got your top, let's say seven, eight guys, but you might be into number nine and 10 before you know it. And it can't be that you coach your, your top 10 one way and from 11 through 18 differently because that everybody sees. And that means that, yeah, you're, here's the standards guys, but your coach doesn't think that's the standards for him. I think the players have to look at the coach and say, my coach is going to work. You know, he's going to work. He's going to do exactly what he's asking of me. And I think they respect that. I think the players really respect the coach that will go the extra mile and do for everybody. 
Now, clearly, you can't coach 18 guys and do the same number of things with them because, you know, it's a developmental program, right? That's, that's what we do. But they have to all know that when they're doing their individual drills, they all get coached and that you watch them all. So, you know, just as a starting point, I think you have to make those players all believe that they are part of that unit. They are truly part of that unit. And we, we have a big deal here. You would not know if you came into our building and went to a meeting and went to practice. You would not know who was a walk-on and who was a scholarship player because we treat them all the same. And that is a giant piece of it. So there's not a lesser – and there's going to be a lesser player, but there's not a lesser teammate. The teammates are all valuable. And when you build the offensive line, they have to believe that they're all valuable. Now, the offensive line coaches that are listening know this is true, that your defensive players that go on the other side to simulate a look or hold the shield are as valuable, if not more valuable, than the players that are actually doing the drill. And so having that, that standard there says we're going to be the best at whatever you choose to do, but part of our pride is that I'm always going to give a good look so that I'm helping prepare, even if I'm not someone who's going to participate in the game. Mm -hmm. And that kind of goes along with our all, everything, everybody has value. If people have value, they'll, they see what their value is and they're developed. I think the other thing you have to do is you have to agree on that you will all be honest with one another. And that's going to be like, I'm going to say something to players they're not going to want to hear. And they may say some things I don't want to hear. But we have to have that understanding that we need to have a, a, a real honest conversation about whatever it is that it's okay. So as these as the players come in, they begin to learn that it's okay. And they also have to see you, I think, as, as the coach who's very uh, passionate about what you do. You have to have energy. And you have to have, a, you have an on-field where it's business. Here we go. And then there's the off field where you can come sit in my office and we don't talk about football. That's okay too. I think it's okay when you build a unit like that, you have to have some humor and we all need to be able to laugh at ourselves, including the coach. And, and, you know, those guys all get together and line coaches know this, they get together. And sometimes one of the biggest group activities they can have is to make fun of their coach when their coach isn't around. And that's okay. Um, I really don't believe you make fun of people and joke about them unless you like them anyway. I mean, if you don't, you usually don't talk about them. But um, so those are just some of the things that how do you how do you get that group to build together? Because that to me is the is the number one thing is get that unit, and then you go through. I mean, obviously you're hoping you have the best talent you could have possibly obtained, but then you develop that talent further, and that level is that's uh, the fundamental uh, everyday drills that you can find that you do that will prepare everybody that are the building blocks to every other individual block combination block pass protection etc so i know that's an awful long answer to a really good question so i hope i hit most of it yeah for sure i, I want to touch on something you brought up with you know players understanding that they have a role and, and i see this often i see it in you know at, at the different levels i've coached at um, you know, I see it uh, on different, you know, different in different sports happens all the time that you have um, you always have more players than you need. Right. There's only a certain amount of players who are going to get on the field. There's 11 in football and there's only five offensive linemen, et cetera. Uh, getting guys today, especially with how this this world has developed into 
and on-demand, instant gratification type of thing, um, understanding their role. So I think the the a little bit of I guess the you could call it the dysfunction starts to happen within a unit or within a team when uh, either a player doesn't understand the value of his role or he overvalues where where he's at in terms of his development and the role that he can can play right now for the that team um, I think the good coaches find a way to uh, make sure they're on top of those things and address it otherwise you have a lot of, of stuff and undercurrent happening that eventually can fracture that unit can fracture a team so for you how do you you know approach those situations how are you on the alert maybe for some of those things happening where uh, you can you can help those individuals solve problems and understand better their value to the team that's 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 a great point great question you have i we there's always going to be that what you're saying you know the the i don't understand my role i'm overvaluing myself and i think it starts with honesty and I, the, the way you do that is you you start ahead of the game and try to avoid it. And you do that by being honest. And one of the ways that we always are honest with the players is we will go ahead and point out the good and the bad out of all players that are in the film. And I'm not saying you can hit every player, right? That's ridiculous. You can't talk about every single guy for every play. But if you find that there is a, a player who is, let's say he's one of your top guys and he's not performing, then everybody in the room needs to hear the corrections and see that he is not performing. And similarly, if there's a player that's not one of your top players, but is doing a great job at maybe just a drill or holding a shield, you make sure that you, you acknowledge that so that there is transparency and there is honesty. And it's not one of those, where I've, where I've seen that happen is when you allow less of a better player and, and you, you know, the younger players or the, let's say the, the, the not group of 10 uh, that would travel, them you're, more, you're harder on. And you have to make sure that – and you may be harder on them to develop, and that's okay. I'm talking about just the point where a player actually sees that, hey, I'm, I'm doing this right. And the rest of the room will acknowledge that too. I'm probably better at this than I used to be, but by trying to say something good about players, trying to find that piece as you go through and make your, your daily cut up, uh, maybe drills and so forth, you slip some in where people know that, they, hey, what you're doing is good. This is a great job of both guys, the, the blocker and the guy holding the shield. Now, those that overvalue themselves, that's that of course that takes really what I'm talking about could handle both of them, right? Where you can eliminate what I call a blind spot. Right. Okay, look, you're not as good as you think, and we all see that. If we make a change, if we make a change from let's say a number two to a number one, we do that in the individual meeting. I'll make them stand up and move. And it's it sounds very harsh, but at the end of the day, everybody sees, hey, this is how it goes, guys. And we make sure it's not personal. I love you all, but it's about production. Those that overvalue themselves um, think that they're better. You know, that will we'll address that. But if that may even come to a one-on-one, -on -one, come to my office. This is the, I'm going to say something to you that you don't want to hear, but this is how it is. 
and this is how we see it. And that's a very frank and honest conversation. And I, it's, it's never really been an issue because if you're honest with people, they may not like it, but they're going to respect it. And I think as a coach, you need to really value more being respected than liked. It's difficult, right? And, you know, leadership's great, but you, you know, you're not going to have as many friends as somebody who just agrees with everybody. And so, you know, those guys that try and overvalue themselves with they don't get the message in the meeting, um, they'll, they'll get it maybe in a one-on-one. And the reason to do that one-on-one is you never want to disrupt the unit in something that might turn and become a back and forth in, in a meeting. You know, we're here for a meeting. You know, th- there's a reason for the meeting. It has a particular amount of time. You know, we'll praise, we'll correct, and we'll move on, install, et cetera. But we're not going to take one guy and ruin the learning and the learning atmosphere just for that one situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening to the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. We'll have part two with Coach coming tomorrow where he gets into some of the technical side of coaching offensive line. Thank you again for supporting the podcast and follow all we do at coachingcoordinator.com as well as following me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.